Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 247. So last night was my first night taking Lunesta. Oh God. And it actually put me to sleep. Oh my God, hallelujah. Right? But it did like wear off and I woke up at five and was up from then to seven and then I fell back asleep. And that's when you called me and was like... Hi. Uh, hey, are you awake? Uh, it's nine. We're supposed to be recording uh, now. <laughs> but I had a weird ass dream. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going through all of it. But I've been seeing that Spirited movie with Will Ferrell and the guy, Ryan Reynolds. And uh, the only reason I would watch it is because Octavia Spencer's in it. Mm-hmm. And I love her. But it's like a musical thing, too, and it's holidays. Not really up my alley, but I don't know what. But in my dream, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot, like being the Christmas spirit. But then the more I was watching it, I was like, is this spirited? But it was like I was in the movie, but not in the movie. Like, I was around the set, but it was going on. It was Mm -hmm. so weird. But I was like, is this spirited? Because this seems really dark. But... (laughs) In my head, what Spirited was, was like, they were normal people, but if you hurt them, like if they got in a fight or whatever, they would turn into um, (laughs) fairy tale characters. Oh my God. So like, one guy got hit and he turned into like the wolf, the big bad wolf, Mm -hmm. but it looked like a grandma wolf, you know, and stuff. Like all kinds of shit like that. And I'm like, Spirited thought it was supposed to be like a lighthearted thing but why are all these people just breaking out into fights because it was a violent fucking movie that's why i kept being like is this spirited this seems dark like it was just like an action movie in your brain in your sleep yes okay and i said okay well might have your kind of dreams (laughs) yeah i was gonna say (laughs) well i mean the other day i was in in my dream i was in like a cult like it kind of like it kind of gave you like um flds cult vibes you know Uh and i had to like get all these people out and so i had to like distract these people to like get the rest of them out and like get them in regular clothes and get them (laughs) but i was in the cult and i was organizing like the departure yeah and that's just a regular old tuesday night dream for me (laughs) i was gonna say that that's got a lot of anxiety up in there well it is my life Well, y'all let us know if y'all have weird dreams, because apparently I'm about to join this club. Got another thing, though. I went to see one of my doctors, and he's the coolest guy anyway. But he's the one who was up for the beard award Mm -hmm. or whatever, a local thing, because his beard was glorious. Uh, But we were just talking and all the things, and he was like, so what's your podcast again? So I told him, we started talking about conspiracies Mm -hmm. and stuff, but then we started talking about Dyatlov Pass, and at one point he said, am I mansplaining, like, something? And I was like, no, I honestly, I don't know. But I was like, where is a single version of you at? We're friends on Facebook, and the stuff he posts, I'm like, God, you are so wise, you know? Yes, yes, but just, like, the whole, am I mansplaining this? Like, I don't want to, like, yeah. this is your area, so you probably know more than me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> bestow everything upon me. Also, can I just fill your beard but <laughs> Gross. but he's tall he's i mean he's married y'all like let's just but i was just like god i need a single person like you go out and find me one thank you let me just uh clone you <laughs> and he's smart <laughs> he is 
So hopefully he's not listening to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Either till right then. (laughs) Are you going to cut all this? I don't know. I'll see him for another six months. Let's Maybe go. he'll forget. He yeah. won't. You'll forget by six months. Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> I went to my work Christmas party last night, and it's at this, well, the only club in town, and they shut it down for a work Christmas party, and then at 10 p.m., it opens back up for, you know, the 21-year-olds that go party there. <laughs> the riffraff. So... At like 9.40, I was like, all right, we're going. And everybody's like, what? And I'm like, uh, it's 20 minutes before the kids come in. We're going. <laughs> like, I am too old. <laughs> and one, one of my friend's husbands goes, oh, my God, you're right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Last year at this party, it was at the same place. And that was when I, you know, how you just have these moments where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm getting older. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I mean, I know we're not old, but we're not young anymore yeah because last year after they do like their little giveaways and all that they like dim the lights get the music going blah 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 and um i like didn't know some of the songs like that people were (laughs) dancing to i was like it's official i don't know the songs anymore yeah that's probably because i'm so old i drive to and from work with my radio off because i need some quiet time oh my gosh well, I don't know a lot of the songs uh, because of my Spotify playlist. I yeah. just go through my top favorites. Oh, speaking of that, loved seeing everybody's year-end stuff on Spotify on yes. the Facebook group. Some of y'all listening to us for like 83,000 minutes in a year, and I don't know why you're not tired of us. <laughs> but thank you so much. I mean, that's just the number that... I think it was like, I don't know, in my head, I'm like seeing an eight, three, a four, four, and something else. But that's all I can remember. <laughs> no, there were a lot of different things. I'm like, man, y'all are the best. And we were in some, in with a, like good some really company. good, yeah. yeah. I was like, damn, y'all listen to some good podcasts and we're number one. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, honored. So thank y'all for sharing that. That was awesome. I was like, I wonder who has listened to us the most. Well, we don't know who you are, but thank you so much. And somebody else we need to thank is Patrioters, Christine C. from MD. <laughs> okay, Maryland. Donna had to tell me what it was. <laughs> Kayla P. from Arkansas. Miranda A. from Texas. Jackie B. from New Jersey. Amber S. from Texas. And Joe L. from Texas. Oh, okay, you got it back. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want the episode shout out and the bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. So I've ordered all of our Christmas presents. Well, not our, my Christmas presents for everybody, basically on Amazon. And a weird thing happened where they like part of my order, it charged it, then they refunded it, then they charged it again. And so my bank was like, and I alert you because you know, that's how the fraud people do it. They'll like take a little bit of money out and refund it to take more out from the same thing and that like alerts the fraud of the bank so i had to go into the amazon account to look at all of the transactions to see if it was real and damn it of course it happened within 12 hours of colby ordering three of my presents so i fucking had to see them i'm so upset like i wanted it to be a surprise they were on my list it's not like i like had no idea like it was a complete surprise but Damn it. It made me so mad that I, it's not a surprise. Again, even though they were on my list, I know. Yeah. But like, damn it. But then I asked, y'all don't have separate profiles? Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I'm like, how do you think other people do it who are married? I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I know one thing that you're not going to have to worry about all that rigmarole with, and that is StoryWorth. What's StoryWorth, you ask? Well, it's a fun, easy way to really get to know your family or whomever you decide to send it to. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one with a single life-related question that you pick. So when you first sign up for it, it asks you some questions that you may want to be sent to your loved one. You can be like, like that one, don't like that, like that, don't like that. And it just keeps giving you questions so that you can send. I signed up my mom for this and I liked that because there were some questions that I just knew the answer. It's like, oh, well, I know that. Like, where were you born? Or, you know, something like that. And I was like, well, I know that. But if you're sending it to a relative that you don't know that story, Mm -hmm. then it's perfect. But that's why I like that I was able to tailor it to her so I'm not getting questions that were just kind of my general knowledge of her. It was really stuff to like dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. And all they have to do is reply to that email with their story. And they can add pictures if they want to, but they don't have to, which I like that because if you have someone that's maybe not quite as tech savvy, then they can literally just reply. They don't have to include pictures and all of that. And then after a full year, StoryWorth will put all of their stories, memories, and like she said, if they send in photos, They'll put all of that in a hardcover book. So it could be a personalized like coffee book. Yeah. And you get to pick the book that you want. So, you know, they have like different colors, different designs on the front. So, you know, each one has a different font or a different type of picture, you know, whatever. And so you get to go through and pick what type of book that you want it in. I really like this and I wanted to do it a couple of years ago and I didn't and I really wish I had done it for both of my parents before my dad passed. So do not wait. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash creep. That is S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash creep and you save $10 off of your first purchase. This makes the perfect Christmas gift that they get to continue throughout the whole year. So go to storyworth.com slash creep for $10 off your first purchase. You will not be disappointed. It's kind of like a gift for everyone though. For sure. And you can order like additional books. So if you have siblings or cousins that you want to give, you know, your grandma's stories to or what have you, you can get multiple copies of that same book. So go to storyworth.com slash creep to save $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so stumbled upon this story while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do this week. Apparently, with a lot of these stories, I've been living under a rock because never heard of it, unsure why. But this is the story of Kyron Richard Horman. So Kyron was born September 9th of 2002 in Portland, Oregon. But his mom, Desiree, and his dad, Kane, divorced when he was still, well, I think she was even still pregnant at the time. And after Kyron was born, they shared custody until 2004. That's because Desiree, his mom, got diagnosed with some pretty severe issues with her kidneys. Like they were going into kidney failure and she moved back to Canada, which is I'm pretty sure where her parents lived, so that she could undergo some treatment for it. So Kane got full custody because she was going to be gone and, you know, she just felt like she couldn't give Kyron everything that he needed while she's getting all these treatments and not feeling good and and all of that. And then not to mention, you know, medical bills and the like. So she was like, you know what, Kane, you take him and I'll, you know, see him when I can. You know, she was still a part of his life. 
So both Desiree and Cain remarried. Cain married a lady named Terry. I know this is a lot of names. Tis the season. So <laughs> that made no sense. <laughs> Terry and Cain had a daughter named, I think it's Kiara. It's K-I-A-R-A. And Terry had a teenage son from a previous marriage. So on June 4th, 2010, Kyron was seven years old, and it was a pretty big day for him because he had an entrance for the science fair at school. Now, you know how it is when you had like a big project like that, you couldn't ride the bus because you had something so big that so your parent had to take you to school? Well, that is what happened that day. He attended Skyline Elementary School, and Terry had to take him to school that day, even though he normally rode the bus. So his science fair project was on like a, I don't know, like a red-bellied frog or something like that. I can't remember what it was on, but it was something about a frog. All it reminded me of was that stupid joke you used to tell about a red booty hole. What was it? I don't know what I've been told, but a green grasshopper's got a red booty hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Some sort of frog. And it just reminded me so much of that. Yes, red-eyed tree frogs found it. (laughs) Thank you, Oregon Live. Not me just looking this up in the middle of an episode, but... The Oregon Live had a really good timeline that I used for this, and just, well, they had like 18 articles about this. So, Terry takes Kyron to school, helps him get his project all set up for the science fair, and then one of the bells ring, and Kyron goes off to his class, and Terry leaves the school. And that is the last time that anyone ever saw Chiron. Oh, gosh. So because of the science fair, school wasn't going to start until 10 a.m. And that bell rang at 8.45. So I'm not really sure like why a bell rang for him to go if class wasn't supposed to start until 10. But Chiron never made it to his class. So after school, Terry and Kane go to meet Chiron off the bus. And this is at 3.30. Um, what year is this? 2010. Well, Kyron doesn't get off the bus. They call the school and the school's like, he wasn't here today. We have him marked absent since his first class. So by 346, they're calling 911 and reporting Kyron missing. By 530, they were already sending out phone calls like from the school to all the parents in the Portland Public School District. A student is missing. This is his name. You know, if you know anything, call us. But I don't understand why they didn't send that message to the house when he was absent. Well, I agree because even when we were in school, your parents would get an automated phone call. So I don't know, but after this, there was a lot of changes that happened within the school districts. Mm for safety and all of that. By 7 p.m., the local sheriff's department had already called the FBI for help. So there was tons of people looking for Kyron, searching the school, searching the surrounding areas, searching everywhere for this child. There's a lot of details on like where they searched and when, and I'm not going to go into all that, but know that there was a lot of tips that the police department got like thousands eventually throughout this whole case and so they would search like very specific streets and sometimes even six miles away from the school and so I think that there's obviously a lot about this case that we don't know why they chose to search those certain locations but I mean 
surely it had something to do with tips, but I'm not going to go into every single spot that they searched because it's just too much detail of streets. So just know that if you want to go to Oregon Live, they have a really good breakdown of when they searched, where they searched, times, all that. So of course, the first thing that the police are going to do is talk to Terry about that day. Like she took him to school, you know, what happened? Because for all intents and purposes, she was the last person to see him. So she said that the last time that she saw him, she explains very specifically where he was walking to his classroom and she went out the other way. There are witnesses that saw Kyron and Terry at his spot at the science fair with his project. A couple people said they saw him walking down the hall. Now, the problem with the school was that there weren't cameras, and that's something that has since changed. But there were also, I think they said like nine exterior doors that were all unlocked. And obviously, it's a science fair, so there's lots of kind of comings and goings. Since then, the school has made it to where all of those outer doors are locked to come in. Of course, for safety reasons, I'm sure you can get out. But they funnel everybody through one door that's monitored so they know who's coming and going. But at the time, there was really no way for them to know if somebody had come in those doors. Did somebody take him? Did he leave? You know, but everybody's like, he's a pretty shy kid, a rule follower and all the things. Like the idea of him just kind of walking away and going somewhere by himself is pretty not really what would have happened with this kid. So they ruled that out pretty quickly. It's strange that they didn't have cameras and it's so recent. Right. I mean, 2010, that's, yeah, I don't understand why they didn't either. So they, like I said, got Terry's statement of what she did that day. I'm just going to just go ahead and say this is that there are a lot of, hmm, and eyes on Terry. Oh, shit. Terry said she left the school at 845 that morning and that she went to two different grocery stores until about 1010. Then she said after that, she drove around until about 1140 because his little sister, Kiara, had an ear infection and she was driving around to soothe her. Is this with the grocery still in the car? Girl, you read my mind. I was like, okay, well, if she had to go to two different grocery stores, she was clearly looking for something very specific. Like, Mm -hmm. what were you looking for? Was it Campbell's potato soup? Because our Walmart never has that shit. You always got to go to the grocery store for that. (laughs) Because we use that when we make our crawfish soup. And you always got to go to the grocery store for that. It is never at the Walmart grocery store. But I was like, so what'd she buy? She didn't take that home? Like, that was really weird to me. So she says that she drove around, you know, again, for like an hour and a half to soothe the kid, let her go to sleep, which, okay, that's, you know, normal. You get a kid that's like colicky or whatever, but she had an ear infection and the car can soothe them. Cool. So then she, from there, went to the gym until about 1240. Then she got home at about, I'm just going to give all rough times, like 120-ish and that's when she posted on Facebook a picture of Kyron at the science fair. If you know anything about this story, you've seen this picture. It's him in front of his little poster board with his cute little glasses and he's wearing a little CSI t-shirt. Like, Aww. he's the cutest little bugger. But, like, also kind of bizarre that he's wearing a CSI t-shirt, right? Yes. Not in life, but in the fact that we don't know where he is. Yeah, he and, goes missing on that day. Right. And then from there, she was just at home until 3.30 when Kyron was supposed to get off the bus. So the police are doing all of these searches. Billboards are going up. Flyers are going up. Everyone's searching for Kyron. 
and they literally have nothing like absolutely nothing as to his whereabouts after about two weeks they said look we've upgraded this from just a missing person to this is a full-blown like criminal investigation like something is wrong here yeah which i feel like duh Duh. but (laughs) (laughs) but terry really kind of started being the focus of this because you know we get this timeline of where she was but her cell phone records didn't support her timeline of where she was and there's not a lot to say like where it showed she was which i'm sure that's some of the locations that they searched and all that but we don't really know much details of that other than her cell phone didn't support her timeline of oh i was out driving my daughter around and i went to this grocery store you know but either way it wasn't jiving so about three weeks after kyron disappeared kane moved out of the house what yeah you want to know why yes i do so this landscaper that terry had hired for their house came forward rodolfo sanchez is his name and he said so when terry hired me she offered me a lot of money to kill her husband what and so the police are like what they tell kane he basically believes it enough that he's like I'm fucking out, and by the by, I want a divorce. Now, this whole alleged murder for hire plot happened just five months before Kyron's disappearance. So the police try to get some information out of Terry via Rodolfo Sanchez. They try to get him to wear a wire and go confront her to be like, Where's my money? You offered me all this money, yada yada yada. And she's like, I don't know who you are, you need to go before I call police. Like, she ain't falling for it. She knows shit's up. So clearly she was the one who liked CSI. Right. But this is what's weird to me because I saw this reported a bunch of different places. But okay, after Kane moved out that same day, Terry called police twice. Once at like 5.17 p.m. And you know how they'll like classify the calls of, hey, this is a noise complaint or a blah, blah, blah. This one was like a threats call. And then the second one was at like 11.40 that night, and it was classified as a child custody call. But both of those times that she called with this, Kane wasn't at the house. So I'm not really sure like what the significance of that is. One thing I listened to, I think it was on a YouTube, it made it sound like the first time she called with the threats call was when the landscaper guy was there trying to get money from her. Mm. So one thing made it sound like she was like calling about him and then but everything else is like she called the police two times about Kane and he wasn't even there. Yeah. So unsure, y'all tell me what you think. At this point, we're already now in July, so it's been over a month since Kyron's been missing and there's a reward of $50,000 for information leading to finding him. When Kane filed for divorce from Terry, not only did he file for divorce, he um got a restraining order against her. For his protection, I mean, obviously, if she really did put out a hit on him, because who knows who else she's contacted about killing him, if that's true. I feel like if Rodolfo did come forward and he was trying to insert himself into this investigation, that'd be one thing. But that Kane was like, yeah, I'm going to bow out now. I want a divorce. I want all this, you know, like the protection. I feel like she had to have done stuff in the past. For sure. That made him feel like, no, she really would do that. 
Well, and even more to that, Cain got full custody of their daughter, and she had supervised visits. Oh, shit. So that tells me, like, there's more to that than we know. There has to be, because why would the courts be like, yeah, and you know what? We're going to do supervised visits. Like, why not shared custody? Mm-hmm. Not only did they grant Kane his restraining order, the court said that Terry had to stay away from Kane, Kyron, even though he's missing, Kiara, and the teenage son. But there was some weird stuff that I never really saw much about, but apparently not long before Kyron went missing, allegedly Kane had kicked the older son out of the house. So there was some issues, and Kane said that Terry had postpartum depression um, after Kira, and he said, like, basically, like an undiagnosed personality disorder, and that she had some substance abuse issues with alcohol. People told the police that Terry was mad at Kane because he made the son move out, and like that was only like, like I said, a couple, like four months or so before Kyron's disappearance. So there's a lot of family dynamics happening here. But one of the things too that made me like really like hmm, about Terry was. She failed two different polygraphs. She was taking a third one and just was like, I'm not fucking doing this. Like, basically in the middle of it was like, I'm out. Bye. I want to take a polygraph test just to see if I would pass or not. Because I feel like I would be an anxious ball of... Well, remember we talked about this. <laughs> remember we talked about this, Donna. No. no. So I have a friend who you're like, people are split on polygraphs. You either agree with them or you don't. And I feel like what they are now is probably way different than what they ever were. But I have a friend who owns a polygraph in business. And she says that you go over the questions before you start the test. So there's no surprises. So while you are anxious... And while you would be nervous, of course, especially if it's something like this or, you know, they do um, polygraphs for sex offenders and all of that to make sure that they're fully disclosing stuff. So, yeah, you're going to be anxious, but you go over the questions at the beginning. And if you have any questions about the questions, like, what do you mean that? I don't like that wording. You've discussed it. Oh. And then get your baseline before. So they're going to ask you questions like, is this your name? Is this your date of birth? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask you questions to get that baseline. So even if you are anxious, then that's going to be your baseline of the test. Yeah. When asked about failing these tests, this is what Terry said. She said that she failed because in one of her ears, she's partially deaf or uh, she has a hearing impairment in one of her ears. That's the side that the questioner was on. And so she said that sometimes she couldn't hear him. And so she would just answer and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you not say, hey, I actually, I can't hear you. Can you be on the other side? Mm -hmm. Like there's no examiner worth their salt that's going to sit your side that you have a hearing impairment. It's not going to happen. Right. I call bullshit on that. Me too. Only because, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and answer. Uh, that's what you do on like on a midterm when you're like, geez, dad, don't know. Okay, I'm just going to hit C. Mm -hmm. But not on a polygraph about your missing son. Uh, your missing son that while it's not her biological son, she has been in his life since he was an infant. He's all she knows. You I mean like he has a, a biological mother that's part of his life. Yeah. 
So I'm not trying to discount Desiree's part in his life because she was, but that's who he lived with day in and day out. Like she just seems so flippant about it. So this story was on Dr. Phil and it was like two different episodes, one with Kane and Desiree and then, and one with her. So Desiree's husband was a detective, like not for the same place. They lived like a couple of hours away and there's an interview with him talking about how at the beginning when all this kind of went down they said that when Desiree said that when she called or when she was on the phone with Terry was like okay we're coming we'll be there in like four hours she was like oh y'all are coming and she's like of yeah. fucking course we're coming it my son is missing are you shitting me you know of course yeah. she didn't say all that she didn't have a potty mouth like me but you know she was like of course we're coming and then her husband was saying like he was talking to him being like hey this is what's probably going to happen. Like just kind of explaining the process to them. And he said it was almost as if Terry was annoyed that she was going to be like investigated and all of that. Cause he was like, look, our private life is no longer our private lives. Like he's missing. The police are going to want to know everything. The news media is going to know everything. Like just get ready. And she just was so like, you know, golly. So, another thing that makes people like, hmm, about Terry was four days after Kyron went missing, she starts sexting another guy. What? Like, I understand that people grieve differently. But what? She's sexting him. She's sending pictures. And this was on Dr. Phil. And when Dr. Phil was reading these text messages, can I just say secondhand embarrassment was off the chart. I mean, what in the Jody areas is happening here? I was like, this makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because of course, like when those things are read, you know, like Dr. Phil is reading them in the least sexy, like, so then you said, blah, 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 you know, do you want to see something bigger? You know, yeah. like, that's just one. Talking about her boobs, because she sent, like, I guess, pictures of, like, both of them. She's, I'm just like, oh, God. Secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. So bad. But that does lend credence to, like, her wanting to get rid of the husband and him. Yeah. See, this is what I was thinking at first. If she got rid of the husband, then Kyron would just go to his mom. But then that didn't work, so let me get rid of Kyron, and then maybe the dad was next? Unsure. I don't know what the goal was, and that's all allegedly, but, I mean, the math is mathin'. Yeah. How do these people have money to hire someone to kill someone? I don't fucking know. I don't have money to hire someone to do my yard. I don't fucking know. know. I'm just like, huh. What? Like, I'd be like, I got $20. Cash app? (laughs) Do you take Venmo? (laughs) Can I use that Apple Pay program and pay you four installments? I can buy you some free McDonald's because my card's linked there. Yeah. I have have some bonus points there. (laughs) Do you want a free burrito? I can make that happen. 4,000 points. Unsure. See, this is why we get reviews about us talking about McDonald's. So later the police are like, hey, we had two witnesses that said that there was a second person in Terry's truck when she left the school at like 9 a.m. Anybody know who that is? 
the teen son no 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 no, oh. no i'm not no, oh. i'm saying like the police are like uh. does anybody know who that is because oh, okay. hit us up if you if you know who this is this is kind of when police start really looking at terry's best friend Dee Dee. And, like, is she the second person that was in the vehicle? Like, where was she during all this time? The grand jury had subpoenaed Dee Dee for, you know, an interview or whatever. And she got asked, like, a hundred and some of the questions. And she basically pled the fifth to all of them. Oh, shit. Um, Paul's in the story to tell y'all that, welcome to the South in December. My neighbor just started mowing. <laughs> Continue the story. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, in my, you know, lifetime drama... Made straight, for TV. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was mad that Kane had kicked her teenage son out. Mm-hmm. And it might have been something he accidentally hit Kyron or did something. And so she was like, we're going to get him back and this is how we do it. And so that's why I'm like, I have no faith in kids apparently because I'm like, the teen son. And you're like, no, that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to make this a little Jaminet action yeah. and uh, quit trying to make fetch happen. The other thing that made Dee Dee kind of sus was that the day that Kyron went missing, she just like abruptly left her work. So she was working as a gardener, like, at a house, and she just left for, like, an hour and a half the day that he went missing. And this was around 1130 when Terry was driving the kid around. So Didi also helped Terry get disposable cell phone. So, like, why did she need that? It's just, it's weird. But Didi's standing by Terry, and she's like, I didn't do anything. Terry didn't do anything. But, like, they don't talk anymore because their lawyers advised them not to. Yeah, that's real sus. Very, 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 very. There was, like, two or three different grand juries that were convened to listen to stuff. All in all, the cost searching for Chiron was estimated at, like, $1.4 million. Oh, my God. And they had over 4,000 tips. So just think about the man hours to search and to dig into all of those tips that came in about, oh, look over here. Did you see this? Or, did, you know, oh, I saw somebody in the truck with her. And we don't even know if that was even a thing. So in 2012, Kyron's mom filed a civil suit against Terry, saying that she was responsible for his disappearance. She sought $10 million in damages, which, of course, Terry doesn't have any of that. But eventually, they dropped that. So remember, this happened in 2010, okay? It was 2016 when Terry was on the Dr. Phil show. And that was kind of one of the first times that she came out and answered any questions. She vehemently denied that she had anything to do with it. But to this day, we still don't know where Kyron is, what happened to him, or who was responsible. Oh my gosh. Now, since all of this, though... Terry remarried and she started using her maiden name. And then I even saw on a YouTube video that she completely tried to change her name. Since then, though, she's had some more run ins with the law. So she was arrested for driving a stolen vehicle. She was arrested for stealing a roommate's gun. And then she had a domestic violence claim on her from an ex-boyfriend. And he said that she held a knife to his throat. He got a temporary restraining order against her, but there was no charge that was ever filed from that. So 
she's had some pretty serious stuff and you know is that her just kind of spiraling since everything that happened because everybody believes she's guilty is it just really kind of who she was and the thing with Kyron was kind of the tipping off point and just kind of led her down that road there was an inmate that came forward that said that Terry offered him money to kill Kane but people were kind of like I don't know about that because it was just kind of way later and you know, was it just like to get less time? You know, it, it was almost like a jailhouse informant type situation that it seemed like not a lot of people necessarily believed. But if you believe the first one, why not the second one? You know, but again, to this day, we don't know what happened to Kyron. Oh, my gosh. It does suck when someone is innocent, completely innocent, and people hone in on that person. Mm-hmm. I know we used to be sus if someone like backed out of something, but now we know you can get sick at the drop of a hat of something or right. like our family members die suddenly, you know, yeah. it's just like, but that guy on Tinder tells you that and you don't believe him for a second. Right. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> oh, your dad died. Okay. <laughs> but we also know like weird shit will happen and it's like, well, I was going here to this one, but then. All their freezer stuff was out. So I had to go to the other grocery store. You know, like, yeah, just weird things like that. So that could happen. But all the stuff after that that came out is what really makes it like, oh, well. It's enough circumstantial stuff to make you be like, hold on. Yes. And Dee Dee did her no favors by pleading the fifth. Right. But why? Like, pleading the fifth is because it can incriminate you. Yeah. So, in what? Right. Dee Dee. And again, that could have been for something Dee Dee was doing on the side. Only more sinister because, you know, she <laughs> pled the fifth. <laughs> yes. On top of her leaving work when there's really technically no accounting for where Terry was at that time, too. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm like... What could they have done with Kyron that nobody would have found at this point? Because the amount of places and people that searched for him and locations that they searched, like, how have they not found something, a backpack, a t-shirt, a, his glasses, something? I mean, if they were successful in burying him in some weird location, in some random woods you know because think of how many people are still missing it's true it is true but it's like these aren't mastermind criminals but i mean it's not like they fucking got rid of jimmy hoffa like it's like you know what i mean (laughs) it's not it just seems like they searched so many places and it's just like they had so many to i don't know i mean yes of course there are missing people that we don't know and you know bodies are found decades later and mm-hmm. i mean of course there's you know the family's still holding out hope that kyron could be alive the odds of that are pretty grim but yeah i mean for them i of course hope i hope they get some quasi closure by finding even remains yeah. but man well if she was working in landscaping or something too you never know what tools she had or planted something on top of it it looked yeah. like it was just planted and not right. a grave dug up that's so true i didn't think about that So you never know. I hope they find his body and there's proof on there of who did it. Yes. And I'll feel so sorry for Terry if she didn't do it. But it's not looking that way. Right. So I'm giving her side eye over here. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly. We don't know. Well, before we get into your story, we got to talk. Well, we got to babble because they're back. Ooh, I like it. I like it. You didn't know where I was going. I could tell with your face. You weren't sure until, you know, you were sure. 
And y'all know it's the holiday season and Babbel would be the perfect gift to give someone who you don't know what to get them or the person who has it all or people who love to travel, have studying abroad coming up. This is the perfect gift because it's a gift of learning a new language. And this learning app has sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And Babbel is fun, easy, and it's bite-sized language learning lessons so that you can finally learn that language that you've been wanting to learn. And I love anything bite-sized. You really do. I really do. Unless it's chips and then she eats like four bite-sized because that girl is a chip monster. But with Babbel, all you need 10 minutes to complete the lessons. And within three weeks, you're going to be able to start having real life conversations in said new language. That's freaking amazing because I took two semesters of Italian. And you minored in Latin and still can't speak any of it. No. (laughs) I can't even get my dog to stop eating the ornaments off my tree in three weeks. So, I mean, learn (laughs) a new language. (laughs) And the best part is, is that Babbel has over 14 different languages that you can choose from. Anything from French, Italian, German, Spanish, 14 different languages. Maybe I should choose Italian and uh, brush up my skills. You're just trying to meet that man. I really am. You, you want them to be able to the R's. Mm-hmm. Babbel uses a speech recognition technology, and that's what I feel like sets it apart from anything else. And that's what helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent. Because when you already have a thick accent, you got to overcome that, and Babbel will help you. If you're embarrassed on how you pronunciate things, that can be terrifying. Girl, for real. Yes. So there's many ways to learn with Babbel. You can do live classes, but you can also access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and all of it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Y'all know I love some games on my phone, so hook, line, and sinker me with some games. Go to babbel.com slash creep to get up to 55% off your first subscription. 55%! That is more than half off. I'm just saying. They give you that extra five. I mean, you always need a little extra five. Always in life. But that is babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P for up to 55% off your subscription. So don't forget, babbel.com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. All right, well, my story this time is about a haunted location. It's called Hillview Manor, and it's located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. It was originally a poor farm called the Newcastle City Home, and it was where the residents were a mix of elderly, mentally ill, and those experiencing financial hardship. Basically, people whose family couldn't or wouldn't help them, or the people themselves couldn't afford to live on their own, and they had nowhere else to go, so they went to the poor farm. And we've talked about them before, and it seems like mainly they were like pre-era asylums. Like, all the asylums with a long enough history have evolved from a poor farm or an almshouse. Basically, you get food and shelter in return for working on the farm. And it's kind of like a catch-22 because these people had nowhere else to go, so it was good for them to get shelter and food and sometimes clothing. But it also seemed like it was made for the poor, but also to keep them poor. Like, they didn't have time to go out and get another job or do anything to get them out of that situation. In 1926, a new building called the Lawrence County Home for the Aged 
was built. It was a much needed upgrade from the city home that was before. Anyway, the Lawrence County Home for the Aged wanted to give the residents the ability to not only survive, but to enjoy life as much as they could. And like I mentioned, there is a farm. There are also other perks like laundry that people worked in, lounges, and even a golf course that I think like butted up to the property or so. I'm not sure. When it first opened up, they had 12 staff members, two caretakers, and their kids. They had two kids. They were a married couple, Perry and Mary Snyder. Perry and Mary. <laughs> they decided to call the residents inmates. Oh. Yeah. So it just kind of points out to how they felt about the people who lived there. Like the Snyders weren't terrible, awful people, but they were very strict and shit, you know? No nonsense. Yeah. But kind of in the, if you're going to be a caretaker, you might want to care. Uh, you know, that's just a little detail. Well, 20 years later, the Snyders were accused of being too old and incompetent to be the caretakers of the home. They were in their late 70s then. However, others say it was because they were taking bribes and payment in return to allowing people who were not a resident to be buried on the property. See, because their residents started passing away. Obviously, like, they have elderly people there. Right. And they don't have family or anything. So they started doing unmarked graves, like a pauper's grave. Yeah. And some people saw an opportunity there to basically had a body to do, like, a mass grave instead of here lies Robert Lee. It's Robert Lee and four other people he doesn't know. Oh, no. Well, they were forced to retire, but they said that they could keep their pensions. Then three weeks later, after being told that they were able to stay on the property still, they were ordered to find new housing because of Perry's health and stuff. I mean, isn't it a farm for people with health issues? Yeah, but they had the money to go elsewhere. It's like, if they want to call them inmates, that's like the guards then being in jail. Yeah, true, You know what I mean? So it's just like... Probably wasn't the best solution. You're right. The number of residents continued to grow and grow, and so they were facing overcrowding issues. Well, by 1974, there were many renovations that took place, and that's when they changed the name to Hillview Manor. And at that point, it became a skilled nursing facility more than the poor farm it was before. They added wings to it. It's like three stories tall, and I think it's 90,000 like square feet of building. Damn. Even though there weren't claims of abuse or anything like that, some people did not want to live out their last days in that building, and they would choose to die by suicide. Oh, shit. A lot of them chose to jump off the roof or to hang themselves. It said that even a doctor, like being around everyone who was sad and was a depressive place to work, that he couldn't take it, and he jumped off the roof. Oh, my God. It finally closed its door in 2004 due to financial reasons. And that's when the current owner, Carrie, and her mom entered the picture. Her mom had a business where she would buy old buildings and flip them into apartments. And she saw this huge building and was like, oh, condos would be perfect here. 
Unfortunately, when they got into the buildings, they found out they weren't really suitable for housing, but they could make them into commercial space. However, about six months into this new endeavor, Carrie's mom passed away. So Carrie was forced with the choice of continuing what her mother's vision was or scrapping the idea and finding another way to get money out of this property. Well, enter a chance meeting with a paranormal group. They came in and said, hey, we've heard stories about this place and we just wanted to know if we could investigate it. And Carrie was like, sure, whatevs. And that's now what she does with the building. It is open for investigations and tours and all the things. So now we're going to talk about some paranormal shiz. That's so bizarre. This chance meeting, this chance like request completely changed everything. Yeah. Well, and I think because people had heard about so many things because it was in operation for a long time and there were always rumors about stuff. Well, then when you can go in and be like the first to explore and Mm -hmm. investigate and stuff, people had contacted them and then this one group, I don't know if they were the only ones who came up to the door and said it or what. And then she was like, maybe we should say that to the other people. And then here you go. And then she didn't have to worry about fixing it up or anything. Absolutely. Just you don't even have to turn the power on. (laughs) So there, of course, are no brainers like phantom footsteps, knocking on walls, slamming doors. There are also experiences where people have heard scratching on floors and pipes rattling. However, there's no HVAC in that building. See, told you, you don't even have to turn the power on. (laughs) Objects also move from one room to the next, and people's cell phones drain too. In an article on SharonHerald.com, Melissa Keene, who's a worker there, like a tour guide and stuff, she recounted an incident where she was sitting in the office, and you can see this one stairwell very easily. She said she looked up and she saw a woman who was dressed in like a vintage, like 1950s nurse uniform. She saw her walk down from the stairwell to the lobby, but then she just vanished. When it was first built in the 20s, one of the original residents was a young boy. And it was super odd because no one really took in children like that. But he lived most of his life in that poorhouse. His name was Jeffrey. And I think he died off property. But it's kind of like he lived all his life there, came back there, whatevs. Now, back in its heyday, residents would talk about seeing a young boy, like seven, eight, nine, like that kind of young, and he would visit them mere days before they would pass. So he was kind of like a harbinger of death. There have been reports and accounts of this that nurses have taken down, you know, there is a young boy in the room, blah, 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 blah. And then days after that person would die. So now they have a room that they call Jeffrey's room, and it's 208. There's a lot of toys that light up and stuff in this room because, you know, it's for a kid. And he's been known to interact with the toys before. He was also captured on an EVP saying that Babe Ruth was his favorite baseball player. Jeffrey doesn't always stay in his room, though. He has been known to be seen in the hallway, and he will often tug on people's shirts to get their attention. Another permanent resident is Mary Virginia. I was listening to a podcast and I cannot remember their name. I'm so sorry. But they were like, I know it sounds fake. And I'm like, no, that sounds real. 
Yeah, like, like I know a mayor of Virginia in real life. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I guess maybe it's just a Southern name, but that doesn't sound made up at all. <laughs> anyway, she stayed in the room 105, and she was the very last resident of that place. She was forced to leave in 2004 when it shut its doors. People have left her spirit dolls and jewelry, and she seems to really enjoy interacting with them, and she'll playfully, like, push or pull a toy from you or, like, a doll, you know. Also, I want to be a ghost that people leave stuff for. I just want stuff now. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Another room is called Angelo's Room, and it's really an entire hallway. Angelo was 51, and he was one of their troubled guests. He was found dead in the men's bathroom by hanging. Oh. Now, on different occasions, he has interacted with people and told him that he did not die by suicide, but instead someone else was responsible. Damn, he's spilling all the tea. Mm-hmm. And this hallway has a lot of activity, like footsteps and knockings. They said that he's still anxious and unruly, like he'll pace back and forth constantly, and he communicates via knocking on the walls and the doors. There have been experiences where a shadow figure was captured in the room, and he's all for communicating, but if anyone asks him if he died by suicide, they say suicide, he will shut down all communication. And sometimes he makes like the whole hall shut down, like no activity after that. So Hillview has been on a lot of paranormal shows. Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Destination Fear, um, and Portals to Hell being like the most popular, but like they've also been on Ghost Asylum and stuff. But the Portals to Hell is the most recent I found. On Ghost Hunters, they did like a flashlight session in that hall and they instructed spirits to turn off or on a flashlight in front of certain rooms. So they like lined them all up in front of rooms and would say, you know, turn it off of 205. And it would happen. Wow. Lie detector test. The What is it? Polygraph. A polygraph. Good Lord. I couldn't think of that word. Where, you know, you have people who are like, yeah, that's proof. Or no, it's not. Because to get that result, you have to unscrew it a little bit. So it's more sensitive. Because they're not like, click, click, it on and off. Because, hell, sometimes I can't even turn on the thing easily myself, you know? But with this, it wasn't just like, oh, look, they're randomly turning on the flashlights to answer. They were responding to specific ones. On Portals to Hell, they had lots of experiences. And both said that this was one of the scariest places that they have visited. When they walked into the hallway, known as a time clock hall, they both felt kind of off kilter. Katrina's head started really hurting, and Carrie, the owner, said that she really doesn't go down that hallway or the stairwell connected to it because she just gets that, like, sense of doom, and she also feels kind of, like, woozy, I guess. They talked to Ken, who is one of the tour guides and investigators. He told them about a room that they believe a spirit named Bill Boots is in. It's room 128, and he was a resident there. Okay, they don't believe Mary Virginia, but they believe Bill Boots? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know. His name was William Boots. Okay, well, still. No, I know, for sure. Well, he really likes Ken, and will often be more active if Ken's there. 
They don't really know how Bill died, but where his room is, is where a lot of the critical care patients stayed. Ken asked one night what happened, and he then felt immediate pain in his chest to the point that he had to leave. So he thinks it has something to do with Bill's heart. But there's this room that's like on the other side of the hall, a little ways down. And Ken said that is a really scary room to him that he won't even go into. And so they were asking him why. And he said one time they were walking and they keep like spirit boxes on because you never know when activity is going to hit or anything. And it said, Ken, come to whatever room it was. So he was walking past Bill's room and it said, don't go. Of course, Jack and Katrina were like, all right, well, this isn't our like big investigation, but let's stay after and see if he can tell us why he doesn't want you to go to that room. They sat in the room and he was like very responsive and everything. And so they got the spirit box out and everything. And uh, he was saying Ken's name. They asked why he doesn't want Ken to go there. And he said death. And so it was like, yeah, okay. But then also that spirit box would turn off by itself, which is not supposed to happen. And it was like, he told him the message and he was done. But they were like, oh shit, okay. Because, you know, I'm sure they have so many people telling stories and it's like, Joe Schmo told me not to go here. Right. And you're like, okay, cool. But then, I mean, they saw it or heard it, I guess I should say. Down in the basement, there's a boiler room and that is home to Eli. In the late 20s, he was a resident and he enjoyed drinking beer. But unfortunately, it being a state-run facility, he wasn't allowed to have any alcohol on the property. So he would sneak out to the local bar a lot. He would just sleep in the boiler room to sleep off, you know, the drunkenness and then sneak back up to his room. It was like a not so secret secret that that would happen from time to time. But sadly, one night he was too drunk to make it to the boiler room and he passed out in the snow outside. Oh my God. Some of his friends saw him and they put him in the boiler room, but the damage was already done and he died from exposure. Poor baby. I know. I was listening to a podcast called The West London Witch, and she was interviewing the staff from Hillview, and Melissa said that they call Eli an inappropriate toucher oh, because he loves to touch women's butts and also stroke their hair. I mean. (laughs) Also, Melissa said that if you're around the boiler room and you're using a spirit box or anything that, like, produces a response like that... Eli always jokes about drinking. She said one time Eli asked her if it was time for drinks. I feel like that would be creep mom on a spirit box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There was a resident named Mary who was born blind. She was like a free-spirited woman, kind heart, and loved to laugh. She had glass eyes, and when she would get bored, she would take them out, hide them in her bed, and then call for the nurses to find her eyes in her bed Therefore, like, basically making them make her bed up for her. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. Uh, Like, she was just a jokester, you know? People have heard Mary's footsteps in her room. And also, it seems that she's very fond of dirty jokes. Okay, it's you as an old lady. I know, right? AKA, you now. On the second floor, there's a shadow that they call the Creeper. They say that he seems like a grumpy man, like the get off my lawn kind of guy when people are in his hallway. 
They say that the creeper can be in many different forms, but it's often human. However, it's just in the shape of a shadow and it can be long, small, tall, wide, you know, like it can change its shape, but it's usually like humanoid shaped. But he likes to be on the walls, floors, ceilings, everywhere, just creeping around. Again, on the West London Witch podcast, Melissa said that psychics have been there and said that this was an elemental, like it was here first on this land, kind of like never human, uh, and that the entity isn't good or evil, just cranky and territorial. So that one's me. (laughs) Well, then this one time there was this girl who was on a tour and Melissa was just kind of talking about this in a relaxed setting. So she didn't give like all the specifics, but she said that this girl was working on a project with indigenous people about their culture and stuff. And so she collected a lot of data about the creeper. And when she went back and was talking to other people, she told them about the creeper. They said that they call it a soul collector And what it is, it doesn't actually collect souls, but they're drawn to areas that there's a lot of activity and they kind of feed off your fear. So their biggest thing is to make you jump, make you feel uneasy, and then they get stronger by feeding off of that fear. Now, when Jack and Katrina were up there in that hallway, they did get responses like knocking and everything. They heard footsteps, just weird noises that seemed to be intelligent responses. You know, it wasn't just like a random knock. It was like after Jack said, I'm going to knock, you answer me. And it did it. And he would do it on this like desk and it would sound like it was coming from like a wall or something. So it wasn't just like he hit the desk and then it like part of the metal like popped back up. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They were really like freaked out up there and they had a psychic come in and she was blindfolded. So she really wouldn't know where she was. And she said in that hallway, it seemed like people would get dizzy a lot, which they did at even at that walkthrough they did. And she said that the little kid and the creeper might be kind of the same thing. And she was like, if people are seeing a little kid up here, it ain't a kid. Damn. See, it's never a fucking kid. (laughs) They left and they were like, we need to come back here like 16 more times. Because again, it's a huge property with so many active locations on that property. So it's definitely one that if y'all live in Pennsylvania, I think it's kind of in the northern part of Pennsylvania. Y'all should go check this out. They do all kinds of different events there but they do have rules and they say no Ouija boards no seances or anything Melissa said they have found a couple of people have smuggled it in but they've kicked them immediately out no refunds that's against our rules how come well one have you never listened to a story man yeah but like I mean you're doing paranormal investigations like what but you're not asking a spirit like to come forward a board is like a portal Yeah, but you're also asking them to flick on a light and, you know, who's coming forward there. But it's not like, what they're meaning is that a board or a seance, you're bringing in different entities. You Gotcha. When you're interacting with them there, it's true you don't know who's coming forward, but it should be someone from that location, not you opening it and whatever. Someone from a different location. Yeah. 
But that made me feel better about them, though, like that they tried to keep it pure, if that's a word to use there. I don't know. But they're like, if you want to see ghosts, you want to interact, just come. You don't have to disobey the rules. You will have interaction. Mm, I kind of want to go. Me too. Now, I will say they don't have an HVAC system. Like I said, they do have like a like a coffee room, basically, that has a heater in it that you can warm up in and everything. Because I would much rather be cold and layer up than be hot. Right. I know. When you said they don't have an HVAC, I'm like, oh, no air. And you're saying that for it to be cold. I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather go when it's freaking snowing outside than when it's 97 degrees. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. We live in the South. My air is on right now. Yes. Mine actually is, too. It's on 71. Mine's on 70, but with it constantly running because it's too fucking hot to, for it to be still. <laughs> but I use my little warmer when I'm at my desk. Mm-mm. But that is all I have about Hillview Manor. So let us know if you've been there or anything like that. Any other stories that you've heard. Well, before we talk more about both of our stories, we got to talk about Hello Fresh. That was weird, but we're still talking about them. Y'all know we used Hello Fresh long before they became podcast sponsors. And it's the perfect way to get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. That's my favorite part. It's delivered to my door. And you don't have to go to the grocery store. That's my favorite part. And you don't have to think about, gosh, I've got to get this like bizarre ingredient for this one thing. And the bottle of it costs five freaking dollars. And I'm only going to use it one time and have so much left over. Right. Because those pre-portioned ingredients, chef's kiss. They've done the math for us, and survey says HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout, and we all know it's cheaper than grocery shopping. For me, I love the quick and easy options and easy cleanup, because that is the worst thing, having to clean the dishes after. Well, and you can do vegetarian options, because Donna doesn't like to touch raw meat, so she can choose that option, and she ain't got to. And it looks beautiful, like, I created this? How Carrie mentioned I was a chip monster. I'm also just a snack monster in general. And now they offer HelloFresh Market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and desserts, it's never been easier to prep for a party or fill your pantry. You get to pick how many people you need to feed. So whether it's just you and you want leftovers, so you do a twofer, or you got a large family. And, you know, you can get family-friendly options too. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep18 and use code Creep18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Treat yourself, treat your friends, treat everyone. Let them know because, again, all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep18 and use code Creep18 and you get 18 free meals and free shipping. So don't forget, that's HelloFresh.com slash Creep18 and use promo code Creep18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Your tummy's going to thank you. We need to make a list of all the places we want to go. That place, Waverly Hills, all that, and then just like make a road trip. That's us going on a road trip. I would love that. Make that happen. Okay. Get me the time off work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Pay for it. Uh Uh-huh. We'd have to be uh, real ahead on our recording schedule. Yeah, that too. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're not. We're not. (laughs) 
We'd have to get our lives together first, but that would be fun. I mean, Discovery Plus, hit us up. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Well, one, they'd have to speed me up walking at least one and a half times. (laughs) We could never survive on Discovery Plus because they would spend their entire budget on bleeps. What the beep are you talking about? (laughs) Especially if I saw a bug. (laughs) A bug. I had to go pee. I mean. (laughs) Oh, my God. You would get so many steps in having to go pee. Back and forth. Back and forth. I'd be like, I got to go to the camper again. And they're like, this is supposed to be you spending the night in here. I'm like, but I got to pee. I will tell you one thing. I do not want to spend the night somewhere. I am not about that life. No, because you know what? I'm not someone who wants to stay up all night. It throws off like three days. If you stay up (laughs) one whole night, you're fucked for like three days. And why are ghosts only out at night? Like, Why can't you ghost hunt during the day? I think you can, but you have more interruptions like your neighbor mowing and other Uh, things like that. That's true. Also, our sound guys would hate us. Because I'd be like, Donna, we can't hear the EVP. Uh (laughs) Hold on. People would hate us. (laughs) I know I would be terrified. Oh, I would talk such a big game walking Mm -hmm. in. And the first little boop, I'd be like, insert scary movie screen. Yes. I'm out of here. I don't think I'd leave. I I would be more like, what was that? Yeah. Also, you're terrible at trying to hear things anyway. Girl, I'm like, what do you say? Yeah, you'd be like, what? Carrie, I'm trying to listen too. (laughs) like can i get subtitles they have them on tv why can't we have them (laughs) oh my god i think he said melto (laughs) i hate you (laughs) okay we know it's mel too now (laughs) oh gosh well let us know if you want to see a ghost hunting show with us (laughs) i mean it sounds fabulous (laughs) well thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us don't forget to like subscribe review All the things, tell us what you think about each episode, and remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.